You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You are listening to Over and Back's Basketball Mysteries of the 1970s. Today's mystery is Was Kareem versus Walton the lost rivalry? <laughs> Jason, with me as usual, is Rich, and we are talking about the rivalry between Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus Bill Walton, and could they have saved the NBA from the late 70s malaise if things had turned out differently? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because, you know, and we'll get into more details here in a little bit about, you know, the games between them and, and of course, different injuries got in the way and different, you know, other things got in the way, but you look at it, and on paper, it seems like it should have been that sort of, you know, you had your your, your Russell Wilt, you have, you know, in the 80s, of course, you have Magic Bird, and, and the optics-wise, this is very similar to that, that Magic Bird, but we'll talk about a little bit of stuff that kind of got in the way and, 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 and different things, but, yeah, it, it's it's both on the court and off the court as well, but, yeah, ideally, in, in a vacuum, yes, this probably could have saved the NBA from the malaise, but these people, who they were, the teams they played for, and, you know, how their careers went, you know, it, it did get in the way. But, yeah, it's a really interesting question to ask, though. Yeah. And, they, of course, they were both, you know, great UCLA stars who were part of college basketball's greatest dynasty, the two greatest big men of their day. Coach uh, John Wooden called Walton the greatest center in UCLA history, UCLA history after he uh, graduated, which gave Kareem some extra motivation, it, it sounded like, from the accounts. Um, Walton, meanwhile, has called Kareem the greatest player he'd ever played against and the greatest big man ever. Uh, he his quote is everything I did was to try to beat this guy. I live to play against him and I play my best ball against him. No matter what I threw at him, though, it seemed like he scored 50 against me. His left leg belongs to the Smithsonian, and it wasn't just offense. He was a great defender and rebounder, a great passer, a wonderful leader. He was phenomenal. You know, it's interesting because uh, Walton gets praised so much for just being a you know. A, this transcendent revolutionary player. We talked about it in a previous episode, you know, looking, yeah. looking at Walton, looking at all the facets of his game. But I feel like Kareem, he gets credit for, you know, his great scoring, the sky hook and for winning, but he doesn't really get credit as much for being a cerebral player. I mean, he's considered smart, but he doesn't really get that, you know, that, that, that sense of being that level of basketball genius, uh, despite his brilliance as a player. And I wonder if that's, if it's a racial thing or if it's just more of, um, of a belief that Walton, you know, kind of show, kind of following that Russell template of leading the team through passing and defense where Kareem is more of a, you know, ball dominant scorer in the Wilt mold, or if it's maybe a combination of both. 
Yeah, it probably is a little bit of both. I mean, we always see that. We see it even today where you have, you know, you know, a lot of white players are considered, you know, the thinking man's player and this sort of stuff and the grinder and the hustler. And then like Kareem is like, well, he's got physical gifts. He should score 40 points a game. You know what I mean? Like we always that that still goes on today, even where it's like, well, yeah, of course, if I was seven foot one and, you know, I was great, I would do that, too. And it's like, well, there's still I mean, you still a lot of guys that are seven foot one that aren't, you know, as good as Kareem or whatever. So there's there's always that as well. But and, and we've talked about it as well, that really a lot of the narrative probably would have changed uh, with Kareem if he had gotten that one more title you know, with the box or had gotten, you know, that one more title in the seventies that that might've been able to do a lot more for, for kind of his, you know, how people think of him and, 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 and where he's ranked all time. And cause you know, you kind of look at him and, you look at a, a guy who in the first you know part of this the, the the decade was you know just dominant and then little by little as he kind of grew discontent with with Milwaukee uh the team wasn't as successful then he goes to LA and you know they're not immediately a, a powerhouse so you get that weirdness there where people kind of question you know what's going on but what's interesting too is you get people that question you know whether he was devoted on the court and whether you know off-court issues were you know got in the way but as we talked about with Bill Wall I mean there wasn't a guy in the world who had like you know more you know desire to 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 worry about off-court stuff than than Bill Walton as well, even though he was obsessed with the game, he also cared about his off the court stuff too. So I, I think it's a little combination of both where yeah, it, it's a racial. And I think it's also just that, yeah, you have a, a guy that's a scoring ball dominant guy. And then a guy that the offense runs through, but also facilitates in other ways where people will always sort of think of one as, as the smarter player and the other is just, you know, a physically gifted player, which isn't really fair on either end. Yeah. But they both are very much, you know, two sides of the same coin. I mean, they're both uh, yeah. complicated personalities, um, they both deal with obstacles in the late 70s. Uh, Walton famously dealing with injuries that only gave, you know, us a hint of what he could become. Uh, there's a feeling with Kareem, which has been expressed by Bob Ryan and others, that Kareem didn't really give the most during his late 70s years, that, you know, he was great, but just didn't seem to have that desire. And whether that's just people reading into things or whether that's a genuine, you know, Kareem didn't quite have his heart in it in the late 70s. It's hard to know. Sometimes his teams under Jerry West, who was the coach of the team during the late 70s, were seen as one-dimensional. Um, but it's interesting, we'll get into it in the 77 season, looking at the playoff head-to-head matchup, that the Lakers actually had the better season that year, regular season. They had more wins. Um, it looked like it was definitely Kareem's best opportunity to win a championship between him joining the Lakers and between, you know, Magic coming along in 1980, which changed, of course, the course of the uh, franchise in NBA history. Of course, yeah. So, you know, if you look at kind of the head-to-head battles, um, they only had 11 games in the regular season in which they had the opportunity to have head-to-head battles during their, you know, during really, you know, their primes um, before, you know, the, uh, Walton had to you know, basically go away for mm-hmm. four seasons because of injuries. Yes, this is 75 and 78. This is, of course, those 11 games. Uh, here's the regular season stats. Kareem had 31.9 points per game to Walton's 19.1. Uh, Kareem had 12.6 rebounds per game to Walton's 15.4. Uh, Kareem had 4.2 assists per game. Uh, Walton had 5.9 assists per game. Uh, Kareem shot 53% from the field. Walton 44.8. And then Kareem was a uh, 57.1 uh, true shooting percentage, whereas Walton was a 48.7 uh, true shooting. Uh, Walton's team had the uh, had the five ed- uh, six five edge in wins. Um, but, you know, Kareem was dominant initially. Walton kind of, you know, kind of caught up then a little bit after that. But, yeah, it's still kind of interesting to see that that kind of overlay between the two. And there's some exciting games throughout that as well. A few that really kind of stick out in, in my mind is uh, January 1975. Uh, Bucks won 22, the Blazers 108. Uh, Kareem got a 50-point triple-double for the sixth and last time in NBA history, a game we talked about a little bit earlier. And, um 
we, we mentioned it in another episode, and then Walton was injured for all of the other three Bucks Blazers games uh, that season in 1975. But still, just, yeah, a really impressive performance. Got Kareem, 50 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists, three blocks, one steal. Whereas Walton was held uh, to just 7.6 rebounds, seven assists, and one steal with the Bucks, you know, winning there. Um, then, you know, a few other games that, that kind of stand out as well. Um, their most exciting battle is probably December 1976. The Lakers win 115 to 111. Uh, Kareem has 32 points, 16 rebounds, four assists, seven blocks. He has six points in the overtime victory as well. Uh, then Walton kind of, you know, next to him has 28 points, 26 rebounds, three assists. So I would say probably their closest and best battle, at least the teams. Like, it's a perfect confluence of both teams being really close, the game going to overtime, and both players really delivering. Because we do see a lot of instances where they don't necessarily do that. Like 1977, their, their final regular season game, uh, the Blazers won uh, 145 to uh, over the Lakers 116. Uh, Kareem has 8.7 rebounds, one assist, and plays only 23 minutes the last game of the season, uh, whereas Walton has 19.16 rebounds and seven assists. So the Blazers destroy him. Kareem doesn't really do a whole lot. So that, that tended to be a little bit more of what we saw between the two uh, in the regular season. So it was very few times where they both teams, you know, both both team and individually wise had a really great, you, you know, really great game a really great performance otherwise it tends to be a lot more of kind of one-sided either you know the team or the individual yeah and the um the last head-to-head matchup in their primes was uh, december 23rd 77 uh the blazers won 108 to 98 and kareem had 27 points 12 rebounds two assists three blocks walton 19 points 14 rebounds three assists a you know fairly even uh, performance between the both of them obviously the blazers that was the 50 and 10 year where they were looking like they were a championship contender uh, the lakers had just um kareem had recently come back from um from punching Ken Benson and breaking his hand and he was out for 20 or so games and then this was just a couple weeks after the um Kermit Washington Rui Tomjanovich fight and so they were in turmoil you know where the Blazers were going very well so there's obviously some extenuating circumstances there and there were no more head-to-head matchups um uh, during that season and only one for the next four seasons because Walton sits out 79 with a foot injury and then only played 14 games in 1980 before missing 81 and 82 um, and then in that game in 80 Kareem had 28 points and Walton only had 10 and I think was on a minutes restriction during that time you know which he uh, you know barely played that season um However, the Blazers definitely got the best of the Western Conference Finals where they matched up head-to-head their only playoff series during the time. Um, As we mentioned before, um, Kermit Washington, their second-best player, missed this series due to injury. Lucius Allen was probably their third-best player, was playing through pain and only played in two games of the series. So uh, really not necessarily a fair fight individually, um, but the Blazers, or or team-wise, but the Blazers were able to uh, win uh, four games to nothing. Um, Kareem, however, you know, you you look at the numbers, and, you know, the numbers only tell you a certain amount, but they're interesting where Kareem, uh, 30.3 points per game, 16 rebounds, 3.8 3.8 assists, 3.8 blocks per game on a uh, uh, 61% shooting. Uh, Walton 19.3 points, um, 14.8 rebounds, 5.8 assists, and 2.3 blocks on 50% uh, shooting. Uh, true shooting percentage, a huge difference. 66% for Abdul Jabbar and 51.7% for Walton. So um, I'm not saying that Kareem necessarily outplayed him because obviously the other than game one, the series was fairly close, you know, in terms of results. But it's hard to say, you know, one in the head-to-head matchup that one player outplayed another significantly. You know, when you have such a uh, a dominant, you know, four game to zero sweep. But it's interesting how the 
the myth of this game is sort of proving Walton as the supreme player at their peaks. Um, at least when you look at the numbers, that there's some question to that in, in my mind. For, for <laughs> Absolutely, sure. yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm crew's awesome, right? <laughs> so, but it's it's it seemed like there was a hunger to to anoint a new big man superstar or whatever. So it's it's interesting, and it goes a lot with the. But we'll talk about it here in a little bit. But it's it's very interesting because culturally, you know, Walton's not really a better like. You know, I could see the idea of oh man, we want to get this. You know, I you know he's black and he's a revolutionary and he's got strong thoughts and it's like well, Bill Walton's kind of just happens to be white, but otherwise he's also a revolutionary with you know. But I guess with the seventies, he had uh, one or two choices with a lot of these guys. But it's it's very fascinating though th- this this idea and the narrative around this series when it's really like Kareem really held his own <laughs> like yeah. And, and and Kareem very much said the same thing later on in a 1980 SI article where he said, you know, we're playing more or less with four guards and me. Uh, everything written said that Walton had played me. Walton, he played a great series. I played a great series. The Trailblazers played a great series. The Lakers played a poor one. The press tried to make it seem like I was embarrassed. Walton made one dunk shot on me, and that was supposed to have signaled the end of Abdul-Jabbar being the best. And obviously, you know, 1980, it was clear that um, Kareem was still, you know, if not the best, very close to the best. And would be pretty good for another uh, decade or so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or nearly a decade. Right, so. exactly. It's interesting. Uh, so comparing overall stats, uh, 1975 to 78 between the two, um, it, here's here's Walton's stats. We'll start out with Walton, and then kind of uh, I'll mention as well the ones where he was better than, than Kareem, and then we'll kind of go with both. But uh, Walton was uh, 17.1 points per game, 13.5 rebounds per game, 4.4 assists per game. He, he was bested. Uh, he bested Kareem in that one point uh, or one steal per game, uh, 2.6 blocks per game, 3.6 uh, turnovers per game, 22.1 PR, uh, 20.7 rebound percentage. So he was over uh, Kareem on that one. Uh, thir- uh, 19.3 assist percentage. He was above Kareem on that one. Uh, 24.5 usage rate, uh, 26 win shares, 0.178 win shares per 48, uh, 6.0 box plus minus, and then a 14. 14- point two uh value over poison player but as you mentioned or as you kind of note there you know 4.4 assists per game you know 20.7 rebound percentage and then 19.3 assists per game that's it that's the only ones where he bests uh cream cream best seven points per game rebounds per game steals per game blocks per game uh pr you, you know usage rates win shares win shares per 48 box plus minus fail or replace a player so i mean really when you take those two cream is 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 better you know pretty much all around uh and cream was the mvp in 1976 and 77 and then walton was the mvp in 1978 so not really necessarily trying to slight walton but cream was very good as well so uh it wasn't the end of cream uh in that matchup there um also, if you c- compare those 1978 seasons, that's the one where Walton won the MVP uh, between Walton and Jabbar. Uh, we're using uh, HBox. This is Justin Willard uh, at Nylon Calculus. Um, uh, did a really great job of this, and you can you can find it easily if you just look up um, introducing HBox on Nylon Calculus. You can get the whole article there. But uh, the 1976 season, uh, the rating, really, you look at it. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had a, a 6.85. Uh, Bill Walton had a 7.67. Uh, uh, then you do your value, which is uh, essentially rating, uh, then kind of takes into, a court, uh, into account minutes per game. And there's, there's some extra goring math if you want to get into it. But uh, essentially the value, which is the rating times minutes per game divided by 3,000, has as uh, Kareem is a better per minute guy at uh, 5.17, whereas Bill Walton was a 4.93. So very close again. Bill Walton gets the MVP that year, but you can argue, you know, using that metric and using a few others, that Kareem was better that season and probably deserved to win his third straight MVP. But of course, that's not always how it works. And and even today, we still see that where um, the guys who are better, the guys who are better stories will win the MVPs or the guys that 
haven't won recently. People get kind of bored with voting the same guy as MVP, so they like kind of a flashy, sexy story. But it's not like Bill Walton wasn't deserving as well. He was absolutely deserving. But uh, you could definitely make a case that Kareem should have won that one as well. Yeah, and, you know, and of course this, you know, it begs the question, if Walton had stayed heavy, you know, could their rivalry have paralleled Wilt versus Russell been the kind of thing that carried the NBA through its malaise in the late 70s? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the, the Blazers were a young stacked team that looked like they had a chance to be a dynasty. Now, it's not necessarily the case that things would have you know gone the same for the Lakers. But, you know, the, the Blazers of, you know, still in theory could have been a thriving team in the early 80s. And, you know, if, if Magic goes to Lakers and that all kind of shakes out in the same way. Uh, that's a really interesting what if um, to have a strong team that theoretically could have um, rivaled the Lakers for dominance and be kind of the Western Conference version of the Sixers and the uh, Celtics battling, you know, every um uh, you know, battling every year in really tough series. It, it would be kind of that Western Conference part counterpart. And I'm sure that, you know, the Blazers would have uh, theoretically, um, you know, triumphed in some of those situations. Absolutely. Yeah. And and there's some other aspects of this as well that, that you know, people have pointed out, of course, the white versus black thing, at least, you know, you can think of it as, as somewhat of a bird magic. But the big difference is being in, and I mentioned this a little bit before that both Walton and Kareem were, were were very complicated figures. They did not like the media. They were very revolutionary in their time. Like so there you, you wonder again, like in, in a vacuum. Yes, you look at these two men and you go, oh, that's perfect. you got this big man rivalry. One's black, one's white. So it could have been very much like bird magic. But the, the real appeal of bird magic is those guys were very you know very personable very open you know magic especially was just a guy that that people just love to love whereas kareem and walton yeah not so much yeah. like people liked walton a lot but kareem you know still even you know it's it's well known that of course he was just not well loved in the 70s by really you know by the media by some of his teammates just in general like he was just a tough guy to get along with so it really hurts in like a pure marketing standpoint if you look at it that way yes in a vacuum you look at those two players you look at how good they were you look at what positions they played you could say oh yeah that'd be a perfect marketing ploy because it worked exactly with Bird and Magic, but I mean, there's so much more complicated stuff there with that. So I, that's one thing where you look at. I think on court, like you mentioned, I think that absolutely could have been a thing. But I always do wonder if the marketing just would have never been there with those two, just because they weren't figures that you could really get behind in terms of you know commercial appeal in, in that same sense. Yeah, I, going back to the stats real quick, one thing that uh, jumped out at me is the fact that Walden he did lead an assist per game. It was 4.4 versus 4.3. So, and I know that obviously assists per game don't tell the story and there's always the, the pass that leads to the pass and uh and obviously the blazers were a team that was more facilitating the offense through walton and moving the ball a lot and everyone was moving where the lakers were more of a team that was you know pounding the ball into kareem and you know trying to get the ball to him and using up a, a bunch of shot clock and you know Kareem probably getting more of his assists out of, you know, end of clock situations of, you know, okay, passing the guy the ball if he's open or just, you know, hoping to get somebody else can create a shot if it's not working for Russell. So, so, so those are very different ways to create offense, but it just is, it is interesting to see that, that, you know, the assists and even the assist percentage, not that big of a disparity in favor of Walton, given that passing is supposed to be such a, a significant strength for him over Kareem. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's definitely fascinating in that sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and, you know, of course, 
I, I do think there are, as we talked about, I mean, I, I, you know, Bird was, even though Bird was very popular, he was a guy who was a little bit standoffish with the media as well. So, mm-hmm. so that wouldn't necessarily have been the biggest hindrance. And, you know, Kareem did have some endorsements as we've, you know, as we've gone through in the past and Walton, you know, did have some endorsement appeal. So they may have been able to kind of beat that in some sense, even if they was still going to have that complicated relationship with the media. But um, it, it's interesting to think about for sure. And, and and I am I, I, the looking at the head to head stuff is really kind of fascinating to me as far as the perception of what Walton versus Cream was versus what it was kind of in reality. I, I think are you know the the numbers don't tell us everything, but they do they they do kind of illuminate things a little bit for me. All right, so after uh, we take a break, we're going to have part of a previous record episode looking at uh, Kareem's uh, late 70s years with the Lakers, the ups and downs of uh, that. So hopefully everyone will enjoy that. Find us at harborproxism.com and also uh, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. So uh, to be continued. Hi, this is Jason. Before we get to the rest of the show, I'd like to tell you about Fast Break Breakfast. It is a podcast for serious NBA fans that is incredibly not serious. Check out what happens when you get two musicians and a comic who are overeducated, underemployed, but share an obsession about the NBA, 90s movies, and conspiracy theories. So make sure you subscribe to Fast Break Breakfast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, we are joined in progress with Rich and I discussing the trade that sent Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from the Bucks to the Lakers in 1975. One thing I wanted to do is sort of look at the win shares and see who got the better of this trade, Jason. I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's been decided yet, but I think we right now are going to decide: did the Bucks or the Lakers make out in this Kareem Abdul-Jabbar trade? Uh, anyway, uh, Milwaukee acquired Elmore Smith, uh, guard Brian Winters, and rookie quote blue chippers. This is from articles blue chippers, Dave Myers, and Junior Bridgman. So uh, total win shares with Milwaukee for those guys: uh, Smith had nine point five. Winters had 37.5, Myers had 13.4, and then Bridgman had 40.4. So, so pretty good. I mean, they, in total, they got 100.9 win shares out of all those guys. Uh, Kareem to Lakers, though, uh, 158.7. So, I think um, I'm not ready to say Kareem. I'm not ready to say Lakers won, but uh, the the extra 60 win shares or so were probably uh, not too bad. But no, it uh, it was pretty obvious. I think all told, though, out of the trade, I think that the Bucks did pretty well. I mean, a lot of times you look at these and 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 in modern history now you get these these sort of superstar for for a pile of guys trades and and a lot of them are just total wrecks. I mean, where you look at Orlando and Dwight Howard or whatever, and it's just basically like you're just stuck with ineptitude, you know, for for years. And the Bucks, they, it took a little while for them to get sort of back on the wheel. But all told, I think they did kind of okay with this. They weren't a total wreck afterwards. It wasn't like they were winning ten games a year, yeah. You know, for the five years afterwards, where you see with modern, you know, Dwight Howard, I mentioned. Um, you know, the Nuggets were able to do pretty well without Carmelo, but, you know, it doesn't go to, I mean, the, 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 the now Pelicans, former Hornets or whatever, after Chris Paul had a, had a huge, you know, downturn. It, it happens to a lot of guys, but, but in this, the Milwaukee, I think came out okay. But yeah, I mean, Winters and Bridgman ended up being like, you know, pretty good role players for them. Yep. I mean, they, you know, they weren't stars or anything, but, you know, you could definitely have done, done worse. I think the funny thing is part of that deal, the idea was to get youth behind it, to get guys who would be in the league after Kareem was gone. But like they, uh, Kareem ended up outlasting all of them. <laughs> so that's, you know, I mean, they couldn't have known. <laughs> right. Have known yeah, but in a couple them. of them were rookies that year. So yeah, I, yeah, nobody knew, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, basically there's, um, 
there's a lot of art, good articles that kind of have recapped aspects of it, but there's a really good one from the LA Times in 87, actually Christmas of 87, where basically like kind of completely recaps, you know, how Kareem ended up with the Lakers. And basically, I mean, he they the first meeting between, you know, Wayne Embry, who was the GM of the Bucks by then, he was the first African-American GM in the league and, um, you know, other management with, uh, you know, and also and Kareem and his representatives basically, actually, I'm not even sure Kareem was at that, but Kareem's representatives were there, and it was basically like you know they and said like, hey, he wants to be traded. He wanted it, you know, and according to Embry, he wanted to be traded to New York. Apparently, his second preference was Washington. His third preference was L.A. Now, there's dispute over the different articles whether he really wanted to go to Washington or not. There were limited options, of course. He also had basically the threat of I could go to the ABA if I wanted to and go to the Nets. You know, he'd have to sit out a year, but you know that wasn't apparently not a huge issue and it was basically said you know there wasn't dissatisfaction with us he just wanted to be traded from milwaukee because his lifestyle and the lifestyle there were not compatible so um and they basically kept it quiet for almost the entire season i mean he finally confirmed it in march of 75 and the trade happened in june although he kind of converted it like in vague ways in which it's like well you know like I'm not, I don't not not want to get traded, but it wasn't like he demanded a trade. But but it, you know, it was sort of like considering you know we hear every rumor now, and we're in a different media environment, of course. It, it, you know, the, no star player, Kevin Durant could not you know request a trade now, and we wouldn't hear about it for a year. That, that's almost impossible to believe that. Right. I mean, there are obviously <laughs> some front offices that are better ships than others, but. Um, it, it, it seems impossible in today's media environment that could possibly happen. They'd already be talking about it, you know, prior. There'd be 10 Bleacher Report articles on, <laughs> you know, ways that Kareem can go to whatever team and it's only the big markets or whatever. Yeah, no, it, no way. Sure. Although, you know, this is, of course, like the – I mean, it, it's in a sense maybe the first, you know, time a superstar is at his – asked out of a city and that trade happening. I mean, um, you know, Wilt was traded, He's but he's really the only other franchise player who was traded. So anyway, the trade happens. He ends up with the, uh, he ends up with the Lakers. They, um, of course, you know, having traded four players, you know, young players, they're kind of in a rebuilding situation a little bit anyway, coming out of the, um, you know, West has retired, of course, um, Chamberlain is required is retired. So they're they're kind of rebuilding. They do still have um Gail Goodrich who's but he's 32 at this point. So he's um he's older. Um Lucius Allen is there of course, Cream's uh teammate in his third stop now. Um but there isn't really a whole lot of um you know other than that th- th- those are the only three above average players. They've Cassie Russell who's 31 who's you know a, a decent role player player but getting older obviously and uh they have a young Kermit Washington who hasn't really uh figured things out yet they also have a 30 year old Pat Riley who plays 23 minutes and is a 7.4 PER so mm-hmm. um so that's always fun uh I I, I forgot that Pat and uh Kareem actually played together yeah no I, I didn't know that yeah. I mean I knew that I knew <laughs> they played you know at the same time but I didn't know they actually played on the uh Lakers together so um 
now they actually finished 40 and 42 and missed the playoffs and the Bucks finished 38 and 44 and they make the playoffs because they won their division. So, uh, <laughs> so that, that's, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Sort of a strange year. Um, yeah, that's that wins your division. That's yeah. God, not only to sneak in because like there's not enough playoff teams. No, they won their division with that record. That's right. Unbelievable. You know, and it's kind of odd because, you know, you know, this year, you know, kind of the previous year and through the end of his Lakers tenure, I mean, he has the least amount of team success beside despite being ages 27 to 31. Yeah, like his career path did not follow, you know, kind of what you expect. I mean, he he I wouldn't say peaked, but he had so much success so early and just these unbelievable seasons. He's winning all these MVPs. I mean, we haven't even like really like mentioned like the fact that like, hey, he won three MVPs. Oh, yeah, he was racking up MVPs during all he the time. He won three <laughs> MVPs in five years. He won MVPs in 71, 72, 74, in 76 this season. He would win it in 76 as well. So uh, would, would win it the following year in 77 and then would win it in, in 1980, which is his, his sixth MVP. So obviously incredible um he's having these incredible individual seasons and he bounces back you know on a you know just a production level after like we mentioned uh slightly being down um you know from uh from previous seasons Mm -hmm. um leads the league in in rebounding as well so is just um you know doing some doing tremendous things as you would expect he also starts doing yoga this year in 76 to, you know, uh, improve his flexibility. Says there's no way you could have played as long as he did without yoga. Basically, um, was a pioneer in terms of like his diet and yoga to have flexibility and, and weight training, you know, was a ahead of the curve on that level as well, which of course is one of the reasons why he was able to play for so long. Certainly. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's, you hear about that for a lot of guys. I wonder, it's, it's always weird how, how nobody just immediately just, I mean, you hear like LeBron will mention that he does it now or he does it recently. I wish the guys just start doing yoga, right? Like just get ahead of the game and start doing yoga. Yes. It's always, the guys always figure it out like later in their life or like yeah. halfway through. It's like, you know, just start doing it now. Well, See what in, like, in the seventies is a little more understandable, but no, I get that. No, yeah. I get, I, I get Kareem. Yeah. That, that one was, and I'm sure he enjoyed it. That's uh that's, that's Kareem in the, in, in mid seventies prime right there with the yoga. But Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so in 76 and 77, they actually improved. They, uh, they, finished 53 and 29 Jerry West becomes their coach and he's only their coach because of a lawsuit <laughs> he and the team were embroiled in some legal action because you know West retired but I guess he had some um he still had some years on his contract and um I, I, he wrote about it in his in his book which is really interesting and good um and uh, they basically, you know, he and the and the team owner, who was Jack Ken Cook at the time, who also owned the Redskins and was, you know, famous rich guy. They ended up coming to terms on a lawsuit settlement, and he's like, "Yeah, where you're gonna you're gonna be our coach, essentially, I guess, to sort of fulfill that contract." Um, <laughs> but they end up 53 and 29. Um, they actually end, which is unbelievably 53 and 29 is the best uh record in the nba that year like we you know as we mentioned sort of the uh parody this is the 76 77 season um but they're um you know in terms of um simple ratings they're like uh sixth in the league so that you know so it's not quite as impressive as um as it looks although you know obviously having the best record in the league is still is still pretty good um and there's a si article about like how basically they come together basically everyone's uh bafflement and i i love the quotes of jerry west uh <laughs> a, as a 
as a coach, you know. Uh, heck, when I played, we never ran any plays, says West. I didn't know anything. <laughs> and uh, and Kareem talks about, like, oh, he's happy again. Winning makes me happy. It's what made Milwaukee tolerable. So, um, and um, so they they play well. They play the Blazers very well that year during the regular season. The Blazers, this is, of course, the, the, the famous uh, yeah. 77 championship Blazers team and they end up um sweeping the lakers in the playoffs sort of disappointing you know we talked about we just talked about how it's it's very weird how you know during his prime years he's not getting success but when you know he's 22 or and 21 he's you know just showered with success very interesting but it's good to see them sort of get back on on this right path and see him sort of take back the reins as being you know one of the better you know or the, or the best player in the league at that point right exactly so um and um in the 70, 78 season, um, they are 43 and 37, which is basically the seventh best record in the NBA. And uh, Kareem is injured himself in the uh, first game of the season <laughs> when he breaks his hand after uh, punching uh, Kent Benson, who played for Milwaukee, was the uh, first um, pick in the draft. He played for Indiana and was, I, I believe, uh, that was the year that Indiana had gone undefeated. So he was like, you know, a, a, a big college star is the point, you know. And uh, he had elbowed Kareem in the stomach and then Kareem just like, you know, um, doubled over and then re- recovered and, and then just knocked. <laughs> have you, ever, have you watched the video? You watched the oh, video yeah. of it recently? Yeah. He gets a nice shot in too. Yeah, I mean he <laughs> so, knocks him, you know, knocks him down. I mean that's a that's a heck of a one. So and they have a, they have a picture. I don't know if you've seen it on Google too of, of the picture of him. You know, the post <laughs> he's all swollen and and it, yeah, he gets a he gets a good shot. Absolutely, and um, and so he's out for two months. Didn't actually get suspended. He missed twenty games. It's his only year that he was not uh, picked as an all star. You know, and there's definitely a pretty big backlash against him. This is during a time in which the NBA, you know, there's there's the drug issues. There's a lot of fighting going on. Basketball did not become the sport of the 70s, although it did. uh, Eventually, those promises kind of came true by the mid 80s, but just took longer than everyone expected that people expected it to who were touting it as that. And, you know, it, it adds some turmoil. And then um, right after Kareem gets back, 23 games, in fact, there's the infamous Kermit Washington and Rudy Tomjanovich fight that is, you, you know, for, oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, that's a whole other podcast. But basically, <laughs> you know, Tom Tomjanovich is trying to break up a fight between Washington and Kevin Conner. And then he runs behind Washington. Washington turns around, just hits him with a, a punch that shatters his face and, you know, threatens his life and his career. And um, Washington is traded, you know, almost immediately afterward because the I and Kareem says just the idea that they couldn't have him and Kermit together because of just the backlash because of both of them in the fighting and the perception that they both have. So this is kind of like maybe a. Uh, a you know the, the the a bottom point for Kareem's um, perception in term in, you know among the media maybe some of the fans too so um, so they end up falling in the first round of the Sonics there's a bunch of they end up adding Norm Nixon Lou Hudson Adrian Dantley and Jamal Wilkes other than Hudson mostly young guys you know kind of building for the future Hudson who had been an All Star with the Hawks for most of his career but sort of as an aging guy so. You know, like, you know, we sort of said, like, are an okay career, but end up falling to the Sonics who went to the finals that year. 
and then kind of his final year uh, with the Lakers, um, you know, uh, that we're going to discuss anyway, the 78-79 season, similar record when 47 games are tied for sixth in the NBA. They um, have a similar uh, fate in the postseason. They end up making beating Denver in the first round and uh, falling to the Sonics. Uh, four to one in the second round, the Sonics end up winning the championship that year. So, and there's an article that year, basically the idea of Kareem not being the same since the fight. Although it really, um, stats wise, he, he seems fine. They even kind of mentioned that the article, but the idea is that he doesn't look the same on the court. He looks disinterested. Bill Walton has replaced Kareem as many eyes as the NBA's consummate center. That's going to obviously change soon. Um, and then there was, um, uh, they talked to a player who Charlie Scott, who played with the um, Lakers the year before, basically didn't like his philosophy. And his quote is says in L.A., we had 22 seconds to get Kareem a skyhook. If we couldn't, we had two seconds to try something, <laughs> which, you know, you could see that, especially with like Jerry West Certainly. not being an experienced coach. Like you could see that the playbook probably wouldn't be that interesting. And you yeah, kind of give Kareem the ball, Kareem good. Right? <laughs> which, you know, obviously, yeah, it makes sense to design your offense around Kareem, but you know, there's obviously limitations that, and you look at something like with the criticisms that like somebody uh, Scott Brooks has now with, you know, Durant and Westbrook of just sort of being like an, you know, a not that interesting dynamic offense, even though it's effective, you could kind of see there being maybe the same thing in this situation. Sure. Or it's just too easy to give that guy the ball and let him sort of operate in, in the sense with Durant and Westbrook, where they just, you know, yeah, you could totally see that. And, and, and you mentioned a little bit, in our show notes here about the, the roster turmoil was they had 37 teammates in these first four years yeah. for Kareem. I mean, just, just couldn't get anything together and just a very odd, weird mix of a team that just, just thankfully, <laughs> I think things are going to turn around. Okay. For LA, but yeah, in this period, just very odd. And, and you're seeing, you know, statistically, yeah, Kareem is, is doing just as well or, 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 you know, nearly as well as he was prior, but, the success just isn't there. And, and, and you, you can see how sort of the narrative would sort of turn on him now, because here's a guy who, who had so much success in Milwaukee, you know, he demands a trade. He comes here, you know, now he's, he's punching people. They're not winning. And you can totally see how the, the, the tide would sort of turn on him. But as we'll see, unfortunately, or, or fortunately rather, uh, things would change yeah, for well, I mean, so. you know, the Lakers success is unfortunate for you, for your, your, yes, your exactly. Fandom, but, undying hatred of, of right, <laughs> exactly. But, but they do sort of build a foundation for the future here, you know, because this year they have Norm Nixon, who's going to be, who's an important player for um, this team. Jamal Wilkes, of course, who's in his fourth season to come over from the Warriors, who was big. Nixon was in his first season. Um, Adrian Dantley was in his second season. He, of course, wouldn't stick around with the Lakers, but obviously became a great player in the 80s and, you know, had that talent. And they also had Michael Cooper, who didn't play much as a rookie, but, of course, would be an important defensive specialist for the Lakers. So even though, yeah, they, they, you know, didn't have they kind of had a mix of players who were kind of too old or too young around Kareem for the most part during the 70s. But they're they're building that foundation. They're going to add with, um, you know, Kareem. So, um, to, Stanley on the on the Lakers would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, well, well there was sort of concern I mean, about him and Wilkes, Wilkes and Dantley overlapping. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, Dantley was always kind of like he had that reputation where 
like individually, like he seemed like an awesome player, but it was tough to get him to fit with other guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there have sort of been some studies about that too, of just like him, you know, maybe just needing to use too many possessions or whatever, even though he was like tremendously efficient for, with scoring and the free throw shooting, um, you know, for whatever reason, it just was, even though like, he was on some very good Detroit teams and he, he sure. was on some other good, you know, some good Utah teams too. But yeah, for whatever reason, it just, um, yeah, he, you know, even though he was a Hall of Famer, it just, you know, maybe it wouldn't have worked, you know, on those Lakers teams because, you know, maybe he wouldn't have been able to fit into that role. It would be, it would be, you know, they'd already. I'm just going to extrapolate Adrian Danley onto the Lakers. Sure, so. there you go. <laughs> so there. The the final successful playoff series they have, LA lost the first game of Denver, and Denver kind of got cocky, and then and Kareem didn't play very well in that first game. He kind of gets outplayed by Dana. So, but then in um, game three, he had 29 points on 13 of 19 shooting, 16 rebounds, eight assists, and six block shots in 48 min- in all 48 minutes of the game, and also swatted David Thompson's. Uh, attempted a game winner. So um, just has an incredible game there and kind of reminds everybody, you know, even at age 32 or 31 or 32 at that point, he is still, you know, he's still the man. So, uh, and then of course, uh, you know, famously in the, uh, to close out the decade, uh, he is in the movie airplane. Do you want me to check the weather, Clarence? No, why don't you take care of it? Joey, you ever hang around the gymnasium. We better get back now, Joey. No, Joey can stay here for a while if you'd like. Could I? Okay, if you don't get in the way. Flight 209 into Denver Radio, climbing to cruise at 42,000. We'll report again over Lincoln. Over and out. Wait a minute. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are, Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Right, Clarence? Oh, he's not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen to you. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton and near up and down the court for 48 minutes. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the episode. I uh, want to give a shout-out to uh, InsideHoops.com, which had a great post uh, looking at the uh, Kareem and Walton head-to-head. We'll uh, put a link in the show notes for uh, anyone who wants to check it out. Also want to tell you about a great new podcast as part of the HB Network. You know that Nylon Calculus is the place to go for smart but accessible analysis of all things in the NBA. And now there's a new podcast called Nothing But Nylon. Hosted by Kevin Farrigan, it is a place where NBA writers and researchers discuss their ideas and talk hoops and analytics. Check it out at nylonCalculus.com and on the Harbor Paroxysm Podcast Network.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.